Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Her Story Collaborative. My name is Jen Buck, and I'm your host here in the collab. Now, you know that I'm always amplifying high-performing women, women who are changing their little corner of the world, and today's guest is no different. Her name is Marina Yanai Triner. Now, Marina is a transformational master coach with 10 years of experience in dialogue group facilitation, working with Israeli and Palestinian teens around the conflict, and high school teens around sexual assault prevention. She engages her clients in the compassionate awareness of their own trauma, how it has led to their their lives' circumstances, and what is standing in the way of them experiencing full joy. She draws on somatic, body-based principles, inner child work, breath work, nonviolent communication, and more in her work as a trauma-aware coach. So please help me welcome to the pod, Marina. So nice to have you. I'm so happy to be here, Jen. Uh, This is so great. You know, I love what you do. I love that you are helping people through their trauma so that they can live fully. And I think we need more of that because, you know, we don't get out of childhood unscathed, right? I mean, it's, yeah. So tell me about what you do. So I am a coach and I work with people one-on-one mostly at the moment. Hopefully soon there will be a group program, but I love working one-on-one and really going deep into looking at, you know, the stuck points, the, the patterns of behavior that people are so stuck with and they think, oh, I can just like do affirmations or change my mind or, you know, just work in that way where it's really much deeper than that. So we go really, really deep into their childhood and even before their childhood to see like, what are the roots of this and what has really kept them stuck in this way? Yeah. You know, I have recently started getting interested in ancestral clearing and understanding that we've got these ancestral patterns that just keep showing up in our life and it's powerful stuff. And it's something that Thanks to a family member of mine, I was given this actually two really great prayers that I just say several times a day to, you know, thank, apologize, uh, release, if you will, the pain from the past. And I don't think a lot of people realize how strong ancestral traumatic pain is. Absolutely. And there's a lot of research on it, too. I highly recommend checking out Mark Wolin and his work, which is all about, I mean, he shares these incredible you know, studies on the trauma that gets trapped in our bodies. Because when you think about it, when your mom is born, she already has all the eggs to make you, like when she's born. So she's getting this from generations before her. And that's why it's so powerful, this transferring of stories and traumas. And it's just so fascinating. That's right. And I'm going to slow that one down because I'm not sure everybody realizes what you just said. So when your mother was born and your grandmother was dealing with trauma in that moment, your mom in the womb had every egg she would ever have, which means there is a biological imprint of what your grandmother dealt with is now imprinted on your mother and thereby imprinted on you. Yes. And I actually have chills, Jen, as you were saying that. So I know it's like so true. And they even say four generations back is how far this goes, according to what they found so far, maybe could be even more, you know, but the the studies so far is like four generations. So how fascinating is it to like sit with your family and ask their stories from a very curious, and this is also very important in my work is that everything is done 
with curiosity and compassion mm. so it's not like oh I'm gonna blame my mom for all this like crappy thing that I'm sure. you know experiencing but it's more like mom you know what was going on for you when you were pregnant what was going on before you were pregnant what, what was going on with grandma and before and it's just so fascinating yeah. You know, I've, I've recently had sort of an aha moment and I realized that something that I had heard my mom say for years was something that had happened in my life. And I heard the words coming out of my mouth, but then I started to add up how many things that we had had just in random life, life experiences that were huge for my mom, but then showed up again for me. Yeah. And now having a daughter, it's remarkable what I see, you know, and it's also, by the way, that much more important for me to make sure that I'm breaking some of those patterns that won't yeah. serve her, you know? Absolutely. And that's exactly, I think that's a really big part of what I do is like, let's look at the patterns that have been in the family for so long that we don't even realize are there mm -hmm. because when we're babies, we are literally sponges, right? We forget that. Like we learn a whole language by being sponges we don't learn by someone instructing us necessarily we're just yes. staring at our parents so it's not just our language it's so many things it's their way of being in the world that we learn you know and and even like reflecting on that like how were my parents when I was growing up how would I describe them mm. um what words were they using what behaviors were they doing what do I blame them for what am I angry with them for yeah. and I really like Mark Wallen's work because it's really about actually compassion for our parents and connecting to our parents and knowing that if we have anger towards them still which there's nothing wrong with that but it's like working through that and actually, you know, opening our heart to love for them. Because if we don't, we can't open our heart to life. Mm, so true. So true. And I think that you said something really important there with anger as well, that anger is okay. Anger is just another emotion, right? And the key is not obviously to get stuck there and to live from that space, but to feel the full range of motions of emotion is so important for all of us. And Absolutely. I think a lot of women in particular have been programmed that it's not okay to feel anger, that you can feel sadness and you can feel rejection, but anger isn't appropriate. It's not useful. It's not helpful. And so I think that a lot of women don't realize that it's okay to feel all of those emotions and anger is one of them. You're allowed to be angry. I love that you're bringing this up. And, you know, I find that I, for years I did self-development work that was very like more mental and it really didn't work as much for me because we can rationalize our emotions away like oh it's not okay to be angry and I need to release this and let this go but yeah. really being an embodied human which I do so much work through the body is to actually feel everything and this is also where trauma comes in a lot of people don't realize that basically if something happens to us that we cannot handle when we're little and it can be the smallest thing it's not what we think of when we hear the word trauma we usually think oh sexual assault war you know all these like very dramatic things but the truth is that trauma can be not getting your needs met when you're little mm -hmm. or not being listened to 
And in that moment, we, it's too much for our system mm -hmm. because we're tiny. We don't know how to handle it. So we kind of like shut down and under that shutdown. And I talk a lot about freeze and shutdown and that response and how it shows up now in our lives as adults, we don't even realize and why I love talking about it is because I'm, you know, freeze means you don't get to have the full joy that you can. It's yeah. not just the anger and sadness that you're freezing. It's so much more than that. So under that freeze lives the anger and the sadness and the pain and all these different emotions that can be super scary to face. They can yeah. feel very overwhelming. That's why we don't want to go there. We're scared like, oh, am I going to be raging? You know, yeah. <laughs> like how, how can I actually be angry in a very healthy way? And it's very possible. And, and anger is our boundaries. So women, we struggle with this, right? With our boundaries, yeah. like saying no, and this is what I need. And really like, like being, you know, being embodied in that. And so anger is really powerful and really important. And I love supporting my clients with their anger because a lot of my clients experience a lot of this freeze or apathy or numbing out. And yeah. I explained to them, like, anger is going to wake up your system. It's you fighting for what you want in your life. It's you saying yes and no to, to how you want your life to be. So it's super important. I'm so passionate about anger. Yeah, I've got someone in my life who was always told by her mom, if she would start to cry, go to your room, go to your room. Nobody wants to hear you cry. And so when a massive, massive life-changing event occurred for her, she couldn't cry. And the only time she did cry ever in her life was when she was angry. And it was the only way she knew how to get it out. But when it came to sadness and disappointment or heartbreak or whatever, she was steely. And it was not until that breakthrough moment of having a calamity that large happen in her life that, and that conversation around tears and crying that the light bulb went off, that her whole life she'd been told Nobody wants to hear your crying. Nobody wants to see your tears and sent out of the room for it. And there is so much there to unpack, mm -hmm. you know, because that's who we become as adults. And she is an adult, you know, and, and there's just a lot of imprinting that occurs at such a young age that ends up making us as adults, almost incapable of functioning in a balanced way. Right. Yeah, yeah. I actually really resonate with that story. I grew up in a Ukrainian family that was really like scared of emotions. Mm -hmm. It was like zero or 360, you know, like rage or nothing kind of thing yeah. and no crying. Like if you cry, you're vulnerable, you're weak and we have to survive. You know, we have to keep going. We have to survive. And this survival thing, it was very like palpable in my household. It was like, this is what we're doing right now. And when your system, like your actual nervous system is in survival mode, it can't heal or thrive. It's yes. very busy with survival mode. And that's why we don't get to experience that range. Like you were talking about, like part of the range is joy. Part of the range is anger and fear and sadness, but we have to have all of the things like we can't just pick, Oh, I'm just going to be happy all the time. So yeah, I myself and my clients, we're all learning this together is how to really feel those emotions. And just every, you know, every day, just feel them a little bit more, a little bit longer, a little bit more surface area, because I work in the body. So it's like, yeah. 
imagine your body becoming a bigger container for the sadness. Imagine the sadness spreading just a little bit and not to the point where it's super overwhelming. Because like you said, in our mind, it's like, I'm not safe. Yeah, I can't be sad. I'm going to be sent to my room, right? I'm not, I'm a bad girl. Like this is bad. So it's retraining your whole system, which is a hundred percent possible to know that, no, it's okay. Like nothing bad is going to happen. Yeah. Right. So I'm fascinated that you do work with children and how they've been impacted through war-torn countries. You'd mentioned the, in your bio, it's Israeli children, Palestinian children. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, that really, I think, influences my coaching. I actually, we were on break um, for this work for a while with COVID and everything, but I did that work for 10 years and I was trained for two years as a dialogue uh, facilitator. And that really was my favorite work. It was very difficult, um, but it was my favorite. And I always said, I remember always saying like, I want to do this, this, I want this to be my career full time. And then coaching became that because that's really what it was about. We didn't get together to like end the conflict. We knew that was, you know, not going to happen, but it was more about working first of all, to understand each other. And I personally went through that process too, of Mm -hmm. I'm Israeli and I sat in rooms with Palestinians and um, expanded my understanding of their life experience, which I was never exposed to growing up. Believe it or not, I never met Palestinians living in Israel for so many years, 10 years, I never met them. Mm. Um, So it's really an expansive process of taking in another reality that you just were never exposed to. And it's very, very challenging and demanding on your system in so many ways. And also sharing your story and being able to say, like, I know you're suffering and I'm suffering too. And here's my story as well. Mm. Um, So it was just, it was beautiful work. And those teens are so brave, you know, Mm. because you don't, people don't meet each other in that part of the world. They just don't, they don't live in the same, they do share, you know, the, but the, the area. Yeah. They share it with their bodies, but they don't actually come in contact, which is insane. Wow. So it's, it's really some of the most heart opening experiences that I've had is even knowing that we get to sit in the same room and outside in the real world, we hate each other. Like we only see each other when it's with weapons. That's the only time. And here, you know, we're sitting in a room and we're actually talking for a moment as just humans. And it's, it's really, I get chills when I talk about it. So powerful. Same, same, same. So powerful. Thank you for doing that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that changes the world, you know? And I think if we, if we all understood each other better, and that means that I have to get outside of my own lens, I have to get outside of my own culture, my own rules, my own value system even, right? And if we just could come with curiosity and kindness, I just think so much could be resolved. And I love that you're doing exactly that. It's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I so agree with you. I think, so you also talked about a little bit in the bio about nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. And the interesting piece about that is it's a whole like philosophy and, and methodology that I learned. The interesting thing th- that I kind of took from it is to see people's needs more than their strategies. Mm. And that's how 
I mean, of course, I'm not perfect. And sometimes I get really angry at people too for having a different strategy. Um, but when you look at even killers and rapists and all different people that we judge and we actually go down to the level of what are the needs that they were trying to meet with this mm -hmm. action? It's so easy to get it. Like, it's like, oh, I get that. The strategy we don't get, which is fine. We have, you know, different strategies. But the needs we get, it can be, I'm looking for love. I'm looking for all the anger in me to just leave my body because it's so hard to live like this or just a variety of things. But we can definitely connect through that. And that's my little empathy trick right there. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I So in my business, I work with organizations and I train their employees. Um, oftentimes it's management leadership. And I train them to look for, look beyond the behavior to the intention. And it's so similar because I talk about basic psychological needs, which is to be liked, to be valued, to be consistent or to have consistency really. And what's the last one? Oh no. What is it? All of a sudden I can't think of the fourth one. Anyway, you get the idea that yeah. it's really so similar to that, but I like the way you said it because there, there's so much gosh, wisdom in that, you know, I don't have to like the behavior. I don't have to like the strategy, but if I understand the need and I can try to help with the need, the strategy starts to fall away. Right? Exactly. And it's also like, I've had so many conversations where I would just affirm that like, oh, I get, I think that you want this, right? Like, I think that you want to be loved right now and you don't feel loved, right? And it's like, all the walls are down like yeah and the person just feels oh, you understand like you get me and it doesn't matter what they did because we all do things that we're like oh why did I do that yeah I was just looking for xyz right so yeah. yeah really powerful wow what would you tell the women because my audience is primarily women and you know as women we are sort of holding it all in and juggling it all and often responsible for it all and, you know, can get overwhelming. What would you say to women specifically who are listening right now? I would say that boundaries are so great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think for women, it's really powerful. I don't have kids yet, but I, when I do think of that, I think for women, it's so powerful to understand like whatever you're doing is actually getting passed down to the next, you know, not all of us want kids and that's fine, but it's like your actions really impact others, other people. And we are very like women, especially we're so connected and we're so relational. So it really clicks when it, when we think of it that way. And when you learn to set boundaries, your daughters, your sons, they also learn that. Yeah. And it's a very, you know, being authentic, being yourself, it's so liberating, whether it's like feeling or all your feelings or saying what you need. I know it's super scary. I also I'm a recovering people pleaser. And yeah. I also sometimes really struggle with that. But the moment I actually do it, it's so liberating. It's like, here I am, I am here. And this is me, take it or leave it. But this is my truth. And it's truly I mean, there's nothing better than being yourself. And um, just a little cool context. I love Dr. Gabor Mate. I love his work. 
And he explains um, people pleasing in such a brilliant way that I just love, which is the need for attachment versus the need for authenticity. Mm -hmm. And the need for attachment is something that we have since we're tiny, right? To be attached to our parents, but then it goes to like other people. Mm -hmm. Are they going to like me if I say this thing, right? And if we had any issues with attachment, for example, as small as my mom, when I was little, my mom left for like two weeks to finish her exams. That's like a little break in attachment. Mm. And in that moment, I said, oh, I have to do everything for this not to happen again. So attachment began, became so much more important than me being authentic. For example, me crying wow. or being angry and like showing to her my emotion or who I am so that I can please her and I can keep her, you know? Yes. And, and when we get that, when we get that people pleasing is such a primal wound, you know, from like way back, it just, yes. it, it starts to heal. So wow. I just wanted to share that. Oh my gosh. My head is like, I'm thinking of so many things in my own life right now that were impacted by that detachment that occurred. And I can see it in my own life. And something happened to me right around 45, where all of a sudden authenticity meant more to me to, than attachment. And I think it's because I was finally fully secure mm. in that attachment, in that relationship that I just sort of bursted out in authenticity. But I can see every broken pattern in my life from that first detachment. Mm-hmm huge oh my yes. gosh my brain is exploding right now I, that's how I felt that's why I'm like I have to share this all the time yes. because every woman and and man you know everybody needs to hear this it's huge so powerful and if you really study like what happened when you were a baby you know I have a crazy story my mom actually was supposed to have an abortion mm. because she thought there was something wrong with me because someone paid off the doctor that was courting her. It's, it's great. It sounds like a movie and we never really talked about it. And, and then now I understand this thing that I have, which is like, Hey, I'm here. I'm important. You know, listen wow. to me. And that's, that's from that, you know, her being pregnant and almost like aborting me, but then not obviously. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it explains so much. It's so yeah. fascinating. This is cool stuff. This cool is stuff. cool stuff. I want to throw some questions at you in our speed round before we mm -hmm. end. And then I want to make sure that you give all your information so that people can find you. So I'll throw a fast question. You give me a quick answer and we'll just sort of bang through a few. Cool? Cool. Okay. So if you had a chance to sit with one woman from history on a park bench for an hour, who would that woman be for you? I guess Rosa Parks like came into my head right away. Love it. She is our number one answer for sure. Really interesting. Yep. Yeah. What's your favorite place in the world that you've ever been to? Costa Rica. Yeah. If you were given a million dollars to give to a nonprofit foundation organization, who would that be? Oh, I think um, uh, Voices of Our City Choir, which is in San Diego, and they work with the homeless population. Oh, love it. Love it. So this is, this is a, you know, an either or you don't have to come up with one answer for each. So either your favorite book ever or your favorite podcast. Oh my gosh. Um, my favorite book, anything by Gabor Mate. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and podcasts. I love the ritual podcast. One of my favorites. The Rachel, is that what you said? The ritual. Oh, the, oh, I'll have yeah. to look into that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. What's a quirky or wacky fact that not a lot of people know about you? 
that I'm kind of more of an introvert. That's something I'm learning about myself. I've always been an extrovert, but there is a lot of introvert in me. And and I have a quirky sense of humor, I would say, from my dad. It's yeah, it can get very weird. <laughs> That's very cool. That's cool. All right. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Flying. Yeah, it's a goodie. Yeah. What's your most treasured item? Mm, probably jewelry, like rings from my grandma and mm. um, my wedding ring, which I didn't actually wear at my wedding. My mother-in-law gave to me uh, when we left Israel and it made it through the Holocaust. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <gasps> Goosebumps again. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how special. What will your theme song be when you're walking on stage in front of 50,000 people to speak? Uh, Lizzo. I just love that song. I put my hand. Absolutely. You know song? Best song. Absolutely. Yeah. It is such a great female anthem, isn't it? Totally. Love. love. I love her. Yeah. Love. What's one, uh, one big thing that you wish to accomplish before you're done doing this work? Oh, I want people to look at their trauma. Everyone, I want people to look at it and face it and work through it. Love. What's a great word to describe you? Empathetic. I agree. And finally, finish this sentence. When I'm really, really old, I hope to see. More love in the world, more compassion, more love, more empathy, more peace. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Marina, where can people find you? Please let everyone know where they can find you online. Yeah, I'm at marinayt.com. That's my website, my blog. And you can also see how to work with me. So I do one-on-one coaching, three months, six months, single sessions. And then my Instagram is primarily where I post. And I post a ton of really awesome free content about all this stuff, like explaining it and explaining trauma and, and all of that. It's Marina YT as well. Yep. I can attest to that. I'm a follower of Marina YT, and I will make sure that I put all of those links into the show notes so that everybody can find you and follow easily. So before we go, I want to make sure that I thank our sponsor, 100 Angels. They are working with communities that have been devastated financially, and they go in and help them with medical care and costs. They go in to make sure that they have clothing, food, transportation. They have helped people with water wells. They're just an extraordinary organization. And if you'd like to learn more about them, you can go to 100angels.org. So Marina, this has been such a joy. You're such a wonderful human being. And I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Jen. I I loved everything that we got into. It was awesome. Yay. I love when that happens. And thank you to everybody that tuned in. And we will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.